you know, has the double trigger lock, you mm-hmm. know, the double triggers. So I pull the trigger back and I pull up and that squirrel, he just, he flipped and he probably went about 20 yards before he hit the ground. And uh, I thought, yeah, you won't bark at anybody else. And I walked over there and I looked at him and one of his eyes blinked. The eye that was facing up yeah. blinked. And I looked and the whole top of his head was gone. <laughs> You scalped him. <laughs> I scalped him. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what do I do now? You know, if it was a deer, you know, you would just shoot it again. But it's a squirrel. If I shoot this squirrel at point blank with a 50 caliber round ball. Right. Well, this is, uh, but anyway, so I thought, well, I'm going to have Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits i've been on a big board for a while i can load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler take it to a field across the creek up a big old Eagle Seed presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Wayne Locke is with me in the studio. Alex is under the weather and will not be with us this week for the program. Wayne, uh, you're telling me I didn't get a chance to talk to him. We're just texting back and forth. But even his text looked like he wasn't feeling well. Yeah, I would say because uh, when I talk to him, it's like every, I would say, two sentences. He was <coughs> oh, yeah, like that, you know, good. and it's been hanging on to him. And a, a lot of people, you know, are, are sick right now. And yeah. but his him and uh, uh, Linda Bird, they, their their sickness, their coughing has been hanging on for quite a while. Might want to get checked for uh, RSV. Yeah. Well, I noticed in my text message, it even said, hey, Wayne, can you? <laughs> You know, he even, he typed it out. I'm like, dude, you don't have to type that out. Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, Alex, hopefully gets to feeling better soon and be back with us next week on the program. I got a couple of things we want to cover today. Uh, we want to cover, uh, number one, I got the numbers from the second half of the youth hunt in Missouri, and we'll give you those numbers here in a moment. But also, uh, we're going to talk some about the alternative methods, deer hunt that's coming up in Missouri and in Arkansas, and talk about what that means exactly and uh, of course when it is and then some of the do's and don'ts and more of the do's than the don'ts does that make sense yeah because we're all good at the don'ts yeah yeah, <laughs> so. yeah the, the don'ts are just bonehead stuff and that's common sense stuff right? uh, absolutely absolutely all right so let's talk about uh, the uh, uh, the second half of the youth hunt uh, which was this past weekend november 25th through the 27th uh, preliminary data from the missouri department of conservation shows that the youngsters harvested another 2,881 deer in the uh, late youth portion of the uh, deer hunting season. So uh, 1,302 antlered bucks, 
322 button bucks and 1,257 does. Almost a 50-50 split on bucks and does uh, during that weekend. So congratulations to the youth hunters. I think, wasn't it around 13,000 that they had in the first portion? Yes. So, I mean, we're talking 15,000 deer, almost 16,000 harvested by the youngsters. Yeah, and there's some good good looking deer that were harvested by the youngsters there this, were this last this last weekend here. And I know Facebook, like I said on our last episode, it seemed like it has just exploded this year with a lot of kid pictures, uh, which is fantastic. And you know, you add another like you said, two thousand to that. That explains more why we're seeing more and more pictures and a lot of proud uh, moms and dads in those pictures too. Yeah, a lot of them, and as as they should be, and and the, and the kids just smiling ear to ear, right? And most and some of them kill some really good bucks. Oh, even yeah. in, even in this late something portion. I'm jealous of. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know that usually happens uh, pretty common during the early portion because it's a week or two prior to the regular firearm season. Mm-hmm. So the deer really a little bit of pre rut into the rut at that point, but then this late portion is usually not so much. Right. But man, there were some good bucks killed <laughs> uh, this past weekend. So maybe the kids have a little more patience than we do, or more patience than we do. Yeah, the, and unfortunately, some of those kids set their bar now very high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and I've mentioned that before. That's kind of the issue. Uh, if a kid does kill, you know, mm-hmm. 145 or 150 inch deer when he's nine or 10 years old. Right. Well, that's a pretty high bar. And if you, you know, like most people do, you want to every year you want to get something bigger. Eventually, well, that's just out the window. Right. <laughs> because you're not yeah. going to find anything bigger. So, um, anyway, and I think most kids understand that. At least I would hope so. Kids that are listening, if you did kill a really big deer, yeah, that's congratulations, but that's not the, the end of it. Yeah, time continue to continue re- that pursuit, and if you if you end up killing a, a hundred inch or a hundred twenty inch next year, that's okay too. That's right. It's all in the eye of the beholder. If you're happy with it, then everybody else should be too. Absolutely. All right. So uh, Wayne, I don't do food plots because I don't have uh, enough property. And the property I do own uh, runs right along a, a gravel road. If I put in a deer plot there, everybody in Oregon County would be sitting on my fence shooting my deer. <laughs> so. Uh, but you and Alex, you do have your secluded areas with your food plots. How are the food plots themselves doing right now? Well, you can even let's back up six months because mm-hmm. it was they're they're doing they're not doing good okay. because uh, we because had that of drought. The dry weather at plenty yep, of time. It, it, so they had a rough. By the time the season hit, they were in rough shape to begin with. Right, and we just they just didn't recoup. By the time we got rain, the te- the soil temperatures had already cooled down so much that mm-hmm. they the rain did no good for growth, but. The deer are still coming in there. I mean, matter of fact, my I, I think I had like twelve pictures pop up just in the last twenty minutes on my phone wow. from from the the wise eye here. So there's, uh, some, of those there's in the plots. something there. Yes, there's still something. The clover, because clover is pretty much resistant to anything. Right. So clover did good. Um, I know Alex's field, uh, my fields, they're loaded with clover, but like our radishes and turnips and stuff like that, nothing. It didn't work. No. Okay, uh, but thank goodness you had the eagle seed because it is pretty hardy. Right. And with and, so many ingredients in this, like the smorgasbord, yeah. you have a good chance of having something. Plus, we also, I for myself, I also overseeded with clover, so that yeah. helps. Well, and that does help. And the clover is a cool weather grass anyway. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you hope is that those seeds will remain uh, dormant. Some of them that were, uh, you know, that just it was too hot and it got too cool. And then come spring, then they will they will sprout. That's always a hope. <laughs> well, right? it is, and and, yep. and that happens so many times. And with a good a good winter and and a uh, a good spring early spring showers, that we should have some good luck with it. Yeah, yeah, and some snow to put some nitrogen back in the soil. Exactly. Yeah, got to have that snow. 
All right, so alternative uh, deer season coming up and uh, uh, in Missouri and Arkansas. We want to talk about that as we go through the day today. And we're going to give you the uh, uh, the the methods that are allowed during the alternative season in Missouri. And we'll do that when we come back. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. Wishing on some luck. I've been on a big board for a while. I can load him in the back of my truck. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Hornady Ammunition presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Wayne Lockett with me in the studio. I'm Red Bull Mike Crace. Uh, we are minus Alex, as we mentioned in the uh, first portion of the program. Uh, Alex just feeling under the weather. And buddy gets to feeling better real soon. And hopefully Alex will be back with us next week. All right, so uh, as we mentioned in the opening segment, I want to talk a little bit about the alternative methods deer hunt. Uh, in Missouri, the alternative method deer hunt runs from December 24th through January the 3rd. In Arkansas, they call it muzzleloader season. It runs from December the 10th through the 12th. And many hunters in Arkansas, Wayne, will tell you that that is the best time to kill big bucks in Arkansas. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little shocked about that because I always thought it would be a little later. I hear like early January would be the best time, but... I hear him say it all the time. It's kind of the post rut, and and and, and some of the uh, the tactics begin to work again because a lot of the does are coming back in estrus. Are coming yeah. back in estrus. So, yeah, yeah, and and there may be right on time there with the tenth uh, through the twelfth. Uh, but again, twenty fourth through January third in Missouri. So let's take a look and, and just pipe in here anytime you have a question. Uh, the uh, the methods that are allowed during the Missouri alternative method hunt. Muzzle loading or cap and ball firearms, 40 caliber or larger, and capable of firing only a single projectile at one discharge, inlines and scopes are allowed. Multiple barreled muzzle loading or cap and ball firearms and or muzzle loading or cap and ball handguns, including revolvers, 40 caliber or larger, are allowed and may be carried in addition to a muzzle-loading or cap-and-ball rifle. Hmm. Uh, centerfire pistols or revolvers using expanding-type bullets such as lead or copper. Air-powered firearms, 40 caliber or larger, charged only from an external high-compression power source, uh, like a hand pump, an air tank, or an air compressor. Long bows, compound bows, and recurve bows of any draw, weight, 
handheld string releasing devices, illuminated sights. On your bows, you can use the illuminated sights, obviously. Scopes and quick point sights are allowed. Crossbows are allowed. Atlatls, which are defined as a rod or narrow board-like device used to launch through a throwing motion of the arm, a dart five to eight feet in length. Have you ever used an atlatl? And I don't mean hunting. I mean just in general. Been somewhere where they had an atlatl and you tried throwing it or learning to throw it? No, I have not. But I tell you what, I have seen some YouTube hunts of these. Mm -hmm. It does look like something I would like to try sometime in my life. I think there have (laughs) been two deer harvested since they brought the atlatls into the alternative methods. Okay. Uh, and both of them were, were up north. But uh, there's a gentleman in Kostradog used to have a shop, and he built atlatls. And one day I, he called and said, will not you come up? I want you to try one of these atlatls. So I went up, and he had a little place set up there by the shop, <clears throat> to, and he showed me the motion and how to hold it and, and, and do it. And it's really a lot of fun. It's, it's also extremely difficult. I can imagine. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun, and and I, I probably did it uh, 10, 12 times, and I was getting where I could at least hit the target. <laughs> Whether it be the butt or the head, yeah. you're hitting something. <laughs> hitting something. I was hitting something. But I could see that um, uh, it was something that, you know, if somebody really wanted to go primitive, that would be the ultimate way that, to harvest a deer. Yeah, now you're going back to caveman time. Exactly. Or, or early Indian time. Right. But before... The settlers came and introduced them to guns. And the, and the ones I saw on YouTube, the, the, these guys were up in a tree stand waiting for the, the and both mm-hmm. of them were does, but the does come walking right by and then they would just launch it down. And yep. the one guy, um, he took him three tries before he got one, but he said, he goes, he practiced hundreds and hundreds of times out of a tree stand before he was able to say, okay, I'm good enough to try this on an actual animal. Because, you know, like all of us, we don't want to wound an animal. So Right. And, and that would be the key, I would think, if you're going to try and hunt with an atlatl, you have got to get extremely efficient shooting that thing. Yeah, and there ain't no forty-yard shots on these. Things. Uh, no, no, you're talking about you're talking about three to five, maybe ten feet. Right. And not trying, yards, right? Feet, feet right? Feet. I like you're going to have to get real. And and, and, I, and there's going to be some out there right now that's proficient at atlatl. Going to say, oh no, you can go 10, 15, 20 yards. And, and I can see that possibly happening too. We, if you're like the key word in yeah, that sentence, proficient. Well, when <laughs> the day that I was trying it, we were about twenty yards okay. where the, the target was from us. It was on a big round hay bale, and they had this two by two target. And uh, I was hitting the hay bale consistently after about the third time, but then I got to where I could hit the two by two target just about every time. Nice. But but it is a very fluid motion and it's particular it's not like throwing a baseball it's not like throwing a football it, it, it's a totally different type of motion all back in muscle memory now you got to relearn everything well yeah because that first time i did i tried throwing it like a baseball and, <laughs> and if you're a javelin thrower i don't know if we ever found that at level ever again <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a javelin thrower it is not like throwing a javelin no not no, at all no, no. and then people are probably in their heads are thinking oh it's like throwing a javelin no. no it's not no you don't put your your hand does not go on the dart you're, you're holding that little launch whatever they call that thing right i guess it's the atlatl uh, but anyway uh, so those are the methods that are allowed in missouri and uh, pretty much anything other than a center fire rifle yeah i was gonna say that this is something this year i i really had to had to pay attention to the rules because uh, again, for, in Ohio, you know, our late season is just primitive season. It's right. your muzzleloader only, period. 
Um, and then after, you know, you had talked about this before we got on the air and now, you know, hearing it now, um, it's like, holy cow, you know, th- this late season here in Missouri entails a whole lot of different options, yeah. which I think is great because people maybe who don't want to do muzzleloader, maybe they want to do their handgun. I mean, it gives them a lot of options to get more hunters out there. I absolutely love it. And other than slingshot and a rock, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's not allowed, but yeah. that's about the only thing that isn't. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I know a lot of people harvest deer with muzzleloaders, which is a pretty cool deal. Mm-hmm. But how about a muzzleloading pistol? You know what? It, I would love to try that. I, I myself, I'm old school muzzleloader. I, I'm not old, old because I don't use flintlock, mm-hmm. but I, I, um, I don't use a scope. I'm just simply right. iron sights. That's, right. and I love that. And again, that goes back to, I only had no more than 40, 50 yards in the woods to hunt in Ohio. So I didn't need a scope. Although now with food plots, which is the first time I'm, you know, hunting mm-hmm. now with food plots, I have that capability to go further. But I don't know if I want to. I enjoy getting those. those yeah, no, do you shoot an inline or do you shoot like a, an old Hawkin or something? No, like that? I used to shoot the old. Um, remember the old kits that you used to put together oh, yeah, when you were yeah. a kid? I used to have one of those. Yeah, the old Hawkin kits. Yep. Those were the best. Those were the best. And uh, I used to have one of those, hunted with that for years. Um, I finally went to an inline CVA Wolf, mm-hmm. is what I have shot for years. I finally gave enough, all my CVA Wolfs away uh, that now I have a. Um, oh, what do I have now? Name a brand because I'm drawing a blank. I'm, here. Uh, I'm drawing a blank as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's I, let's think about it while we go. Yeah. Well, we're on there. I'll come back with it. But it's <laughs> it's kind of a neat one that is a uh, a special muzzle loader, and I'll okay. tell you about that when we get back. All right, folks, you're listening to America Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friend. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Hey guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put wait, some wait, extra wait. clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. In my old pair of hunting boots, passed on down. Planted... You know, Alex, there is a, a company in the outdoors that wants to provide quality hunting gear at affordable prices for the everyday hunter. Yes, there is, Redbone, and it's Tide We. These guys are a blue-collar company. They make excellent products that's very affordable for everybody. And these guys want to help every outdoorsman live out their passions in the outdoors. And to find out more about this company, just go to www.tidewe.com. That's T-I-D-E-W-E.com. Around your heart, so you never got to worry. Tide We presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Locke. I'm Mike Crace in the studio here with me. Alex is out sick for the night. Uh, we're going to miss him. Hope he feels better. Uh, when we left off the last uh, segment, we were I was talking about muzzleloaders. And, <laughs> You're trying to and, remember and I'm trying to remember. Muzzle- I couldn't remember what muzzleloader I had because I had CVA for so many years mm-hmm. that um, I was at a banquet and I won a traditions muzzleloader. Now, this, there you go. this traditions is one that was made. They made 10 per or excuse me 20 per state and so it's stamped with your state wow and, it, and it's got the serial number and the and the uh where in line of those mm-hmm. 20 it is the one that i won for ohio 
was number one for the oh, muzzle loader, wow. and the serial number was number one. Wow, that's it was the cool. first one off the line of this new thing. So it's never been. I have never shot it because it was always going to be my mantelpiece. Gotcha. Well, then I gave away all my muzzle loaders. <laughs> And, uh, and so, now you're gonna have to shoot it. Now I'm gonna have to shoot it, and I'm really looking forward to it though because it, it's a nice looking gun, and uh, just to at least get, I'd love to harvest a doe with it and just say, hey, I shot something with it. And um, but I, I'm looking forward to muzzleloader this year. No I've doubt. told this story before, but one time, many many years ago, probably 35 years ago, I traded an old refrigerator for one of those Hawking kits, mm-hmm. octagon barrel, uh, 50 caliber, and and it was partially put together. But some of the parts were missing. So my, my late father-in-law uh, was a bit of a machinist, and he machined some of the parts that we needed to complete the gun. Wow. And uh, put it together. Now, I never did deer hunt with it, uh, but I would take it squirrel hunting. And I know, 50 caliber <laughs> round balls shooting at squirrels, but I got to be a pretty good shot with it. It was just, and, and one of the things that we had to machine and make was the front sight. Okay. The rear sight was on it, but the front sight we had to machine. And and the piece that goes through the barrel up on the up on the uh, the stock, and uh, and the piece in the back that holds the barrel down in the back. Yeah, those are the pieces we have the machine. But anyway, uh, long story short, I got pretty proficient at killing squirrels with a fifty caliber with a fifty caliber <laughs> Hawking a muzzleloader. But one day uh, I was I was walking through where I was going to, to kill squirrels, and I looked and sitting up on a, a branch, <clears throat> hanging out over this old logging road, was a big old fox squirrel. And it was just a barking, barking, barking. And I thought, you rascal. So I just, you know, had the double trigger lock, you mm-hmm. know, the double triggers. So I pulled the trigger back and I pull up and that squirrel, he just, he flipped. And he probably went about 20 yards before he hit the ground. And uh, I thought, yeah, you won't bark at anybody else. And I walked over there and I looked at him and one of his eyes blinked. The eye that was facing up yeah. blinked. And I looked and the whole top of his head was gone. <laughs> You scalped him. <laughs> I scalped him. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what do I do now? You know, if it was a deer, you know, you would just shoot it again. But it's a squirrel. If I shoot this squirrel at point blank with a fifty caliber round ball, right? Well, there's just. Uh, but anyway, so I thought, well, I'm going to have to kill it. I went to looking for a rock, and all of a sudden, the squirrel got up and ran off. Never saw it again. We would be funny <laughs> if you did see it again, like the next year, and it had like a reverse mohawk yeah. going on. Anyway, that's a, uh, but anyway, uh, that uh, that gun burned up in our house fires uh, oh. m- many years ago, so I don't have that anymore. Uh, but anyway, so uh, now's the time, uh, Wayne. We've got you know we're a little over halfway through the show. Now is the time, and we we kind of been talking about muzzleloaders because we do want to remind hunters if you're going to be hunting the alternative method and you're going to be using a muzzleloader, now's the time to get them out, shoot them, check all your supplies, make sure you've got caps, make sure you've got. Your sabots, you know, whatever it is you like to shoot. Make mm-hmm. sure you got your powder, whether it's the loose powder or the, 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 the pellets. pellets. You like the pellets or you like the loose powder? I like the pellets. Yeah, I know. Alex always says he likes the loose powder because mm-hmm. he thinks it shoots more consistently. Right. I think a lot of people swear that it shoots hotter. Yeah. So, but and, I and myself, I'm a pellet guy because I like keeping mine in those nice tubes. Exactly. Open the tube, turn it upside down. Turn it upside down. And down. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> so make sure you've got all your gear first. You need to go out and you need to shoot that gun. Now, before you do that, and I was talking to a, a gunsmith this morning, mm-hmm. we're recording on Wednesday, and he said, folks, make sure before you go out that you check the barrel and make sure you unloaded it when you got done last year. 
Yes. You know, that's a mistake a lot of people make. And I have in the past. Yeah. And and if you need, if that's, if that's the case and you can't get that thing out, you need to get it to a gunsmith ASAP. Right. And get that ball pulled out of there or, or the sabot pulled out or whatever the case may be. And uh, one time I put the ball in and didn't put any powder. I'm sure everybody's done that mm-hmm. at one point or, or another. So I was pouring a little bit of powder in through the backside of the jump. <laughs> down through the nipple hole and then fire went off and and that was what trying the, to work the bullet and that's what a, that's what a gunsmith told me he said okay. just do that and eventually you'll get the ball enough will come out okay. the ball will come out um <clears throat> but that's the long long way to do it and you also you have an opportunity to possibly damage your barrel so uh <clears throat> take it to a gunsmith and get it done but anyway check make sure it was unloaded at the end of last year and make sure that you got it cleaned and and you want to check for rust. I mean, there are all kinds of things that you need to check on because muzzle loaders they will rust if you didn't get them completely dry or clean them in extremely hot water, so it would just evaporate away. So there's right. so many things that with muzzle loaders that you've got to do. It's more than just shooting. Uh, I mean, if you're going to shoot muzzle loaders, it a lot of care has to go into it. Yeah, and one of the mistakes that a lot of people make, and you hear the stories over and over again every year. Hopefully not by the same person, but you know, is that. Uh, <laughs> You know, they they came in last day of the year of the season. They they put it in the, their closet or in their gun case. Uh, they said, "Okay, well, I'll get to it tomorrow and clean it." And guess what? Life, Eventually, you forget. Life happens. You know, the kids are crazy. Somebody gets sick. Life goes on. You have to get called into work. Something always seems to happen. You forget about it, and it never fails. That generally, the last day of that season, either there's snow on the ground, mm-hmm. it's snowing out, or it, it's rained. So you're going to have moisture on the inside of that barrel. Like you said, man, do they rust, and they rust hard. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now's the time, guys, to get those out, check them, and if there is an issue, get it to a gunsmith, get it fixed, or somebody you know that is proficient. And, if, you know, if you live right here in our area, Brawley's Powderhorn, mm-hmm. great place to go up at Winona. Yep. I mean, I mean, a boob will take care of you and, and probably get it done in a timely manner. But the reason that we wanted to talk about this today is because that season is coming up. Starting December 24th in right. Missouri. So you've and, got you know about three weeks. And if you want to hear a gunsmith laugh, take it to him that week before <laughs> yeah. and say, I need something fixed. Because they will laugh because you're going to be in line of about probably 30 other muzzleloaders. Yeah, it's, not going, it's not going, it's to, not going to happen. And, and everything checks out and the gun is good. Now's the time to get it sighted in. If you're, if you're using a scope, I need to get that scope sighted in. You, know, you never know when you might have bumped it or whatever happened through the course of when from the last time you used it. And... Um, yeah, make sure everything is working properly on the gun. So that's very important uh, to get done right now. This weekend would be a good time to do it. Right. Exactly. I mean, one of the mistakes people also make, especially with their powder or pellets, just because you bought a box that held 50 of them and you only shot four of them because you're, you know, practicing or whatever, mm-hmm. don't assume those those 46 that are left in there are still good. Because if you have a lot of high humidity, if you left it outside in your garage, um, there's a lot of things that factor into, you know, not being in a sealed bag or sealed mm-hmm. container mm-hmm. that will make those not, you know, work like they should. Right. So, you know, it went in doubt. They're not expensive. Throw the box out. Get yourself a new box of pellets and make sure you're, uh, you know, you're back on where you need to be. Sure. Uh, Sabbaths or round balls? What do you like to shoot? Sabbath. Yeah. I think everybody does anymore. Yeah, Hornady Sabbath. Um, I can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with that. I absolutely love the way they shoot, and uh, I, yeah, I can't. I can't say enough about them. Although, haven't I seen on the Hornady uh, website? Uh, they also uh, do 
uh, lead round balls? Yes. Yeah. They have a whole variety of different yeah. ones. Um, you know, they've got the ones that have the, uh, the wax tip on them. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, for, which is what actually I'll probably will try shooting this year, uh, because I have a, a chance to shoot longer range. So yeah. I got that more accuracy, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they got everything from the, the, the wax tip ones to the regular sabots to the round balls. They've got a variety of them. So, you know, if you are looking for a good muzzleloader uh, sabot or ball, check out Hornady for sure. Absolutely. All right, uh, well, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back with our final segment on American Roots Outdoors Radio for this week. We'll be back after this. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Redbone, Wayne, have you heard about the 12-volt power packs? I've heard a little bit. Tell me more. Yeah, what it is, it's, it's a battery that you can hook to your cell cameras, uh, even charge your cell phones. This company's become really innovative, Wayne. Yeah, I've got a couple of them myself, and they're so easy to use. My six-year-old helping me set them up in the woods on my wise eyes. If you want to improve your battery life in your cell cameras, check out the 12-volt power packs. I'll have to do that. Do they have a, a website? Yes, it's jkroutdoors.com. Wise Eye and Buckritz presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Locke. I got Mike Crace in the studio here with me behind the board, working his magic as usual. <laughs> Always reminds me of the... Uh, um, the wizard the wizard of oz working I, you know i swear if somebody were to pull a curtain it would be mike craze popping his head out going what 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 it's not me it's not me i didn't do it <laughs> I, I i equate it more to uh uh uh, Mr. Sulu operating the uh, control panel on uh, the Enterprise. The Enterprise. That's you know what I didn't think about that. You do have the large window right there in yeah, front the of you and the screen. All these lighted buttons and then, and you got so many buttons on there. I don't know what they do. I'm not sure what all of them do either. But uh, those are the ones that I don't ever touch. I swear they just put extra lights on there so they can charge you more. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, every one of them has a purpose. There's a purpose, right? All right. So we we've been talking uh, muzzleloaders and and you know folks need to get out there. And, and I guess one of the, the things I'd like to mention, I know we got some questions here from our uh, podcast page that we want to get to, uh, but before we do that, uh, you need to know your distance on your muzzleloader. I yes. mean, obviously, uh, most muzzleloaders, you're not going to be able to shoot it out there 200, 250 yards. You need to know your proficiency with your muzzleloader. So that's another reason to get it out now and shoot it just to remind yourself just exactly how accurate it is and how accurate you are. Right. If you're an old timer like me and you where muzzleloaders first came out and hey, if you had a fifty yard shot, that was about the limit of your muzzleloader. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean two hundred and fifty better. Yeah, two hundred and fifty yard shot with an inline muzzleloader with a scope, not too you know, uh, impossible. But if you're not accurate if you're not proficient with it, yeah. don't you know, don't attempt like you said, get <clears> out exactly. get out the brawlies, get out to your backyard, shoot right. it up. All right, so what kind of questions uh, do we have here from uh, listeners of the podcast? Well, one of the ones that I'm looking forward to answering is uh, from Mike uh, over there, over here in Missouri, and he asked, will decoys work in the late season? Absolutely. Heck yeah. Sure sure enough, they will. Yeah. You put, you put that uh, that doe decoy out with her tail sticking up and, and a little doe in heat urine around in a, in a scrape or something close by? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's a big misconception, too. Uh, people think that uh, you have to use your decoys with, uh, you know, your put your buck decoy out there. You can only use it during the pre-rut, and then after that, you can't use them no more. 
That is so false. Yeah. Um, there's so many different ways to, I mean, we could do two episodes on how to hunt with a decoy, but I'm going to give just a couple things because I love hunting with decoys. I'm going to give uh, two tips that I like to use. One, I only put one antler on my decoy, never two. Um, because Why? It, because if you get a buck that's been beat up, uh, he's more apt to come in to one that he thinks he can beat up. Okay. Uh, especially if he only sees one antler on it. And generally those, you know, they don't have those big fake antlers. You're getting small right. ones. But you put one on there, that buck is more apt to come in. Yeah. So I've always wondered why they just don't put spikes on their heads. <laughs> hey, take a stick and stick it in there. You know, or fork horn. You know, <laughs> right. No right. forking horn. Yeah. It's always those. It's always a six point. Yeah. I don't know why that yeah. is. But yeah, I only use one antler on mine. That's okay. just something I've always done. I've had great success with it. The other thing I do is um, once the rut is over and I'm using it for late season, I like to, uh, and that's generally when I like to harvest a lot of my does is uh, during this time of year. I love hunting in the snow, uh, December and January um, for does and that. But one of the things I do, because mature does are very, very weary of uh, decoys. And if you ever put a decoy out, you're going to see a mature doe. She's going to halt up and she's going to circle way around and probably not even come into the decoy. She wants to kind of stay away from it. I use that to my advantage. I will put that decoy out 50 yards from me on the other side because most of my like i said my strips are 50 yards wide anyway mm -hmm. i'll put that decoy on the other side along the edge your side so this way around. she comes to my side to go around and i got a perfect bow shot you know at 20 15 20 there yards you easily there you so go. that's two great tips i like to hand out to everybody if it's you're hunting a doe put a doe decoy out but put it away away from you so she circles down to you and if you're hunting for a buck, just put one antler on. You'll, you'll see your success rate go up. Yeah, and I think deer decoys are a whole lot like hunting with turkey decoys. Uh, they're they're not an absolute must, but they will work, I think, at any time during the season. Mm -hmm. It's like people say, well, you can you rattle during late season? Sure. Sure. Deer, you In January, you will see deer playing with each other. I've seen two videos just in the last few days that were shot in just the last few days of buck sparring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not just fighting for dominance. You know, they they, they just, just spar. they spar. They They're having spar. fun. Yeah. All right. So another question. What do you got? Uh, we got. And we uh, just got a couple of minutes here. Yeah. Uh, mock scrapes in the post rut. Can you do it? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. you can. And that'll actually roll right into, and that's from Buddy over there in Louisiana. But that rolls right into a question from Brant uh, in Alabama. And that is, um, can can you... Can you set up mock scrape or when do you know the rut's coming back in? And I'll go back to scrapes. If your scrape all of a sudden that's been dormant for the last 30 days, all of a sudden the leaves aren't there no more. Guess what? The, it's starting to kick up. There, there's some does that there's are coming, back, are in coming back in heat. That's right. Yeah. And then there are bucks that are that are getting after them. And I would say uh, the, the way to tell is, yes, when you see bucks pushing those does. Yeah. Alex today sent me a text because he said, hey, there's a bunch of does I just saw leave your property. And I said, yeah, I said, I had a, they've been out over there all morning. Um, he goes, and then like 10 minutes later, he's driving to, you know, downtown uh, Birch Tree there. He goes, hey, over by your final law's house, the eight point just crossed the road, uh, hot on a doe. Now, there you go. You know, so it's kicking back up again. Yeah. And that's, and, and that, I mean, that's the telltale sign right there. If you see bucks, you know, pushing those does around and, and or chasing those does, you right. see, a, you see a doe just getting at 400 miles an hour and a buck 20 yards behind her going 420 miles an hour then you know that the rut's coming back in. Yeah. And that goes back to spending the time in the woods, on the fields, glassing, and watching activity. All right. So, Wayne, we're, we're about out of time here, but we are going to continue. we got a couple more questions that we're going to answer uh, over on our bonus segment on the podcast. Uh, so tell people how to go about listening and, and 
to more of our conversation here uh, over on the podcast. Yeah, just go to your favorite podcast carrier. Uh, if you're on Apple, just go to Apple Podcast. Um, you got that little purple button with the pod, just type podcast in there. It'll pop up on your Apple iPhone. If you're an Android user, uh, Google and Spotify seem to be the hot ones, but it, no matter what, um, podcast you want to listen to, we're on it. So every podcast carrier where you can find us, just type in American Roots Outdoors, click like, follow, love, whatever it says to do, and you'll get our stuff every single week. If you missed any of the radio show today, don't fret. Go to the podcast. You can catch the entire radio show, uh, again, in its entirety, plus the bonus segment that you can only hear on the podcast. And again, we're going to answer some more listener questions from our um, Facebook uh, podcast page uh, people sent in. So uh, we have a contest, too. Of the people that sent in questions, we are going to draw one of them as a lucky winner for a Buck Ritz t-shirt. Well, there you go. Oh, there you go. That's uh, going to kind of wrap it up. I would like to say thanks to uh, Eagle Seed. Hornady Ammunition, Wise Eye Technologies, Bug Grits, JKR Outdoors, and Tide We. They are corporate level sponsors of American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. And as we always say, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Accurate, deadly, dependable, Hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady, each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly, simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. JKR Outdoors and Buckrits, Wise Eye, Tide Wee, Eagle Seed, and Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. If you're listening to this, that means you're on our podcast, and we appreciate you being a podcast listener. Make sure you leave us a review. Uh, we always draw winners every few weeks uh, for people that leave reviews. Just make sure you leave your real name and the state you're from so we can find you on Facebook and uh, get a hold of you. Yeah, and there and there are all times. Of, I mean, there, there also are contests. Some of our sponsors do contests. So if you go check out our Facebook page, mm -hmm. uh, you will see where we're reposting where some of the sponsors are doing contests. And we'll give you a link to go there and, and maybe win something from Hornady or JKR or, or whoever. Yeah. One of the contests I love watching uh, is from Wise Eye. Yeah. The, the, they put a picture up and they they go, okay, first person to find the Wise Eye camera wins. And you have to figure out. And, man, some of them are tough. Yeah, some of them are tough. <laughs> or how many deer do you see in this photo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I see that one, it reminds me of the um, – that that movie where remember about the uh, stand behind your horse walk because oh yeah yeah um, um, life and times of Jeremiah Johnson that's right yes yes stand on the other side of your horse or he'll see my legs <laughs> they can't count <laughs> a, a deer don't know how many legs a horse has got <laughs> right every time I see that, that uh, you know how many deer are in the movie. picture that reminds me that, of that is so. a great 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 movie. You know, I did not see that movie until I was in my 40s. Really? Yeah. I don't oh, know I how I missed was, it. I was a teenager. 
Oh, man, I'm addicted to that movie. Every time it's on, I want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Could you skin a grizzly? <laughs> There's some great stuff And in you know, that. Jeremiah Johnston was a real guy. That's the All the people in that movie were that they mentioned in that movie were real people. It's all based on factual people. Yes, you know, absolutely. elaborated a little bit, of course, but factual. Well, oh, sure. They took some creative license with it, but I doubt that that guy actually ran a grizzly into that into that house and and Jeremiah Johnson killed it and skinned it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a little bit of a stretch. A little, little bit. A yeah, little, little bit. bit. All right. So um, when we were on the radio show, uh, Wayne, we were... Uh, uh, answering some questions from some of the uh, podcast listeners. I think you've got another question or two here. Yeah, uh, Brant Lewis out of Alabama. One of the questions he's asking is, would finding doe beds in late rut or late season be a tactical way to find mature bucks? Reason being is, I have found early season finding buck beds seems to be my way of success, but I've always seemed to struggle with late season in Alabama because our late season is our rut where he's where he's from. So my answer to that would be, it never hurts to find does because generally where there's does, there's going to be bucks around generally. Yep. But in late season, if there's snow on the ground, hit the food sources yep. because that's where they're going to be. If it's cold temperatures and no snow on the ground, hit the food sources. Food sources goes number one for late season. Yeah, I would agree. And and also I would add that I would then, uh, if I knew where there were, the, the does were bedding and I knew where the food source was, uh, I would set up along that trail because once those does get up mm-hmm. and they start to move, those bucks are going to hear them and they're going to come and they're going to follow. Yep, exactly. The If you are a wood hunter, get on the south side of a hillside. Yep. You know, that's where you're going to want to be. That's where they're going to be heading. That's where they're most likely going to be bedding because mm-hmm. that's where the sun comes up and they're going to be the warmest most of the day. Yep, I would agree. And, totally. and generally they're out of the wind too. Yep, I would agree. All right, so what else you got? Okay, last question that we have uh, is going to be. Uh, oh, wait, I lost it. He's looking on his phone, oh, by the way. Yeah, uh, Phil from Missouri asked, uh, second rut, any signs of it starting up yet in our area? Uh, you know, as we record this on uh, the 30th day of November, uh, I don't think so. And, and I think just the, you know, where the rut was. Uh, I think really we'll be looking at maybe another week and a half or two. And I was going to agree 100% with you until Alex t- sent me that text saying, I got a buck. There's still, still some right? chasing going yeah, on. Chasing yeah, chasing that it started back up. Um, but, but there are always going to be some does that, that are late, later than the other the other does in the right. woods. But yep. for, for an overall, I think we're still probably a little bit, a little bit away. I would say we're a week away. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like you said, this could be one of those just does that just happen to come in mm-hmm. and a buck just happened to catch wind of her. But I know most of my scrapes, there's almost zero activity. I had my one scrape that my son found last week that we talked about on the show uh, that all of a sudden was active again. But you could tell it was not being hit hard. It was just stuff was moved. Uh, so, you know, are, are they still out searching? Again, there's nothing wrong. You can hunt scrapes all year round. Scrapes oh, yeah. are not a... A specific to just one time of the year. Uh, you can hunt scrapes in January. You can hunt scrapes mm-hmm. in, you know, the first, as soon as the season opens in September. Because they are a travel line. That's right. They That's are right. a travel line. And and, and and more than just locators, uh, it's actually a travel line. So kind of a, a road map, if you will. Yep. And for all those guys that uh, submitted some questions for us tonight, I want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that through our podcast page. So it's American Roots Outdoors podcast on Facebook. Just go to that group. 
we had the question uh, put on there for the contest. So we will draw the winner tonight, and I will post that up tonight on the podcast page. If you're not a member of that page, uh, please get on there and yeah. uh, submit a request, and I'll get you approved. Yeah, like the page and, and do all that stuff. All right, so, uh, you know, we had Thanksgiving last weekend. Uh, did you have plenty of turkey? That's an understatement. <laughs> that is an understatement. I had turkey, turkey soup, turkey sandwiches, yeah. turkey, turkey, turkey. And now my uh, we froze some ham up, and mm-hmm. my father-in-law took the ham out yesterday, and now he's making ham and bean soup. So I'll Ooh. have that. I will have that for the next three or four days. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nope, nope. Nothing wrong with that. And the, and my dogs enjoyed the gravy that was left over three days later. <laughs> yeah. so. yeah, somebody, somebody posted on Facebook the other day. It says, to all of you, or it said, uh, uh, not sure who needs to hear this, but it's okay to throw out the rest of the dressing. <laughs> no, no, it is never. It okay. doesn't go. It doesn't go to waste at our house either. No, and that, dressing is one of the first things to go at our house if there's any leftover. Yes. Because I love frying it up in the morning, and uh, again, I, I'll make an omelet. Mm-hmm. So I put my eggs in the pan, then I put I fry up the uh, the dr- the dressing leftover mm-hmm. dressing. Actually, so here's a question for you: dressing or stuffing? What do you call it? Dressing. Okay. See, I always it's call it stuffing if you put it in the turkey. See, now I always call it stuffing because it is we always put it in the turkey, even in with right. the part that wasn't out in stuffing inside the turkey. I still call it stuffing, but I think that's more of a northern thing. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, uh, yeah, I fry that up and then put that on there, and then I put a little bit of uh, tur- you know leftover turkey on mm-hmm. there, some cheese, fold you know, it turkey over, turkey and dressing omelet. Yep, exactly. Sounds pretty good. You know something that I saw? Uh, I've never tried it because I don't have a waffle iron. But somebody took their leftover cornbread stuffing, mm-hmm. and they put it in their waffle maker. Oh. And pressed it down, gave it a crunchy outside, yeah. and then heated up their leftover brown gravy or turkey giblet gravy, and poured that on top of it and ate it that way. No, that sounds good. That does sound that excellent. Does, that it? sounds real good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I got to have to, I'm a, I may just make stuffing just to try that, <laughs> try that recipe. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. We hope you all have had a great week, and we hope that you'll join us. Uh, well, actually... Uh, you can join us anytime on the podcast. That's right. You got three years worth of episodes. You'll join us again next week. But uh, about a well, I was going to say about a week from now we'll have another episode. But actually, it could be a day from now, depending on when you're listening. So anyway, happy hunting, everybody. That's right. And if you're out there, you know, take a kid, take a wife, take somebody with you if you have a chance to introduce them to the outdoors. And if you don't, when you get home, talk about it to your kids and that because they're going to love to hear the stories and it gets them interested. So, again, thank you for listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. And like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind.